Hi, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Up on our site, the Ringer has just published their first ever fantasy football rankings. Our NFL experts, Danny Kelly, Robert Mays, Danny Heifetz, and more, rank and analyze the top 150 players in 2019 with printable and mobile cheat sheets to take with you wherever you're drafting. To check out our rankings and for more preseason coverage, listen to the Fantasy Football Podcast or head over to theringer.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Larry Wilmore. You're listening to Black on the Air. Uh, nice to have everybody. I hope you're having a good summer. It's tough. This is a tough summer, though. There's so many uh, things going on. This uh, shooting over the weekend, a couple of shootings. God, I don't even have the words for it, man. It's, whew. Uh, these things just keep happening, and it, it seems like we get in these same uh, cycles of despair and everything. So... I'll talk a little bit about this. You know, it's tough because I feel like I keep saying the same thing, so it's hard to keep having a circular argument. But um, we'll try to cheer you up today. We have a good conversation with Robin Thede, one of my good friends whose new show, A Black Lady Sketch Show, is now on Fridays at 11 p.m. on HBO. And it's really funny, you guys. It's very inventive. A lot of good stuff. So if you want a diversion from all this craziness, that is certainly one. And I think our conversation... <laughs> we'll be entertaining. Just, we don't talk about politics or any of this stuff at all in our conversation. It's just uh, us having fun. So like I said, I you know, other than saying some of the things that I've said before, because I'm trying to think, we it's a problem if we keep getting into these same conversations and the same frustrations and the same things happen over again. When I was doing my show, The Nightly Show, you know, this would happen occasionally, and we, uh, you know, we'd say, "How are we going to even do a show? How are we going to do a comedy show for Christ's sakes?" You know, we'd have we'd find a way to talk about this issue where, you know, we'd be upset about it, we'd be outraged. I would describe it in a certain way, and we'd do it several times. And I see the guys who are in late night, you know, some people doing it, and what how people are trying to cover it now, you know, and and it's the same type of anger and outrage and come on Congress, do something. And it seems to be the same things over and over and over. And it's really frustrating because I'm very, I, I don't know how much I've talked about this, but I'm very cynical about, you know, quote unquote gun control in this country. I feel like, you know, after the Sandy Hook thing, when all those kids were mowed down by that asshole whose name, thankfully, I don't even remember. But that, Oh, God, that was a really rough day. And I remember President Obama, remember he he could barely get the words out at one point. He was like holding back a tear or whatever. And the weight of it, even on him, you know, he has children. And he was thinking about just how horrific what that was, you know, to go in there and the type of throwing away any kind of humanity to even do an act like that to me is incredible. I don't know how you can do that. You know, it's just unfathomable. And yet we know after that event, really not much happened. You know, people were mad about it or angry about it. You know, the Congress and Senate, you know, they really didn't give that much of a fuck about doing anything or, you know, at the time, I don't remember anything particularly happened. And certainly we haven't stopped people's either abilities or tendencies to do that. And we know that this is something that is, you know, I know we focus on the weaponry, which is proper focus, 
but we know it's the culture too, you know. And when I say culture, I don't mean like video games and the art culture. I mean the American culture, you know, just our fascination with outlaw-type killing, you know, taking weapons and mowing down people, you know, and that sort of thing. And, I mean, it's just ridiculous, too. And and both sides, I think, have their own rhetoric. And depending on which, which side you're on, you believe that that is the answer. And, you know, it's defended or whatever. This is one of those... I won't say that I'm in the middle. That's not proper. You know, it's like I'm frustrated is a better description of where I'm at on this, you know, because like when people just talk about certain types of gun control, you know, waiting periods or this or that, to me, it just means, well, you're just going to have to wait longer to do the horrible thing that you're going to do. But, you know, if it happens in October instead of July, where are we? That's kind of how I feel about some of that. And then on the other side where they say, well, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. In the Dayton shooting, the police responded in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. The good guys responded to the bad guy in 30 seconds, and nine people were killed. Nine fucking people were killed in 30 seconds. The good guys with the gun, the so-called good guys with the gun, don't stand a chance. You don't know when this stuff is going to happen. It's crazy, you know. And there are no bottle solutions to this, you know. And I know I sound fatalistic on it, but... Here, I won't be completely fatalistic. I will try to offer something here because I would like to try to be constructive in this and not just critical, all right? How about this? How about let's start changing the language around the word guns because I think that word is too broad right now. I think we need to be adult about what's going on here. Even using assault weapon is not completely correct. Some of these weapons, to me, are really weapons of mass destruction. I mean, that's what they are. And they don't belong in the hands of any civilian, as far as I'm concerned, for any reason. And, you know, I just think they just need to go, you know. And then we can make classification what qualifies under weapon mass destruction. I mean, let's think about it. Would we be cool with somebody having sarin gas, (laughs) you know, well, you know, I got to protect myself, so I got some sarin gas here. Of course, I'm going to do a southern accent. You know, the only way to stop a bad guy with sarin gas is a good guy with sarin gas. No, <laughs> the best thing is to not have anybody have sarin gas. I don't want Earl down the street having nukes. You know, it's one thing for the for the government to have it, and, you know, we're protecting an entire country against another country that may have that. But in the hands of civilians, what things should be in the hands of civilians? It should not be weapons of mass destruction. It should not be WMDs. Can we at least agree on that and now create a new classification of what qualifies as a weapon of mass destruction? And it's clear that if you can go into a place and mow down nine people in 30 seconds, that's a weapon of mass destruction. I mean, that's pretty clear. I don't know what else could be qualified as that, you know, or how else we can make that definition, you know, different. I mean, that to me seems like the definition of that. But let's get serious about that. And I think just some of these things just have to go. I I don't know any other solution. I don't think controlling of it is the solution as much as getting rid of some of these things, you know, 
So I think we're going to have to have a discussion about this. And by the way, the word gun does not appear, I believe, in the Second Amendment. I don't think the word gun appears in there. So I think we need to have an adult conversation about this. Because, guys, three people were killed in Gilroy at a fucking garlic festival. Who's who's mad at fucking garlic, for Christ's sakes? Well, I am sometimes the next morning. But who's going to go mow people down in a garlic festival? This is so fucked up. <sighs> All right. So anyhow, I think we need to just change the language around this, get serious about this in a different way, not just look for ways to slow it down or to, you know, I don't know, these same ways that we keep doing because there are laws that are laws like that, and we keep asking for more of those types of laws, but they don't seem to be stopping this. So, you know, there is a definition of crazy when you keep doing the same thing and looking for a different result, you know. I don't know. So that's where I'm coming from with this. A lot of people may disagree, and that's fine. That's that's what it's all about. Anyhow, like I said, I don't have much to say. I don't even know how eloquent that is. I just feel really, really sorry for the people who you know, for nothing better or just living their lives, you know, and this kind of stuff happens. It's happened in my family, so I know how horrible it is. I don't have much to say about the the whole Trump inciting part of it. I think a lot of people have talked about that. You know how I feel about him, you know. Um, all right, so anyhow, on that good note, we got Robin Thede coming in. And uh, Robin and I, people always get our names wrong. Wilmore and Thede, for some reason, people get it wrong. So we'll make fun of that, too. And um, that's it, guys. Hang in there. Hopefully there's uh, light at the end of the tunnel with some of this. I think our next, uh, my next pod, I'll, I'll weigh in on where I feel the candidates are and everything. It just doesn't feel appropriate to talk about it now. Because I think some of them are going away. Thank God. You know, what will that, <laughs> that fill down? See who's really connecting right now and that kind of stuff. And one of the, somebody treated me recently. Sorry, I don't have your name in front of me. Once when you talk about reparations, how I feel about that. So maybe we'll have somebody on. Or um, maybe I'll just talk about it one day. Because it seems like an issue that is is growing in, I don't know, in its acceptance or whatever the idea. But it's very interesting. So we'll see. All right. Robin Thede's coming up. Thanks a lot. Welcome back. Very excited to have uh, my guest on. You know, I've wanted to interview her for a long time. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> this is, of course, her second appearance on Black on the Air. She just keeps burning it up out in the business. Uh, now she's got a black lady sketch show. It's the one and only Robin Tahiti. No, it's not. No? no what? Larry, Did I pronounce uh, it wrong? What is it? Yeah. It's not Robin? What it's, is it? No, you know what? Ron You're ben? the first person to actually pronounce my name correctly. Ron Tahiti. Ron Ben Tahiti. Ron Ben Tahiti. I know. We always joke about this, how people mess is up it, both of our names. Wait, is it? I know. This is a running joke of me. Robin, <laughs> Robin Thede, everybody. Yay. Hey, long Robin. E. I know. I still keep doing interviews with people, and they're like, Thede. And I'm like, no. I know. It's Thede. It's a long E. And Robin makes fun of me all the time, because Wilmore, to me, seems simple. but To me, too. My entire life, people have messed it up. Yeah, they call Wilmot. Wilmot. Gilmore. Yeah, Gilmore Wil- get a lot. Wilmorn. Phil- <laughs> Philmore? Wilmorn? Wilmorn. That's is one of my favorites. Yeah. Wil- Phil- Wil- Philmore's done a lot. Philmore. Yeah. yeah. 
Gang. People just call you whatever they want to call you. And it's funny because the way they do it with confidence, hey, you Larry Gilmore, right? And you're, you're like, really... I'm definitely not. I said, motherfucker, <laughs> you took the time to make up Gilmore. You could have used the same energy to look up Correct. Gilmore. Yeah. You, you could have used the G from the Google to figure out <laughs> yes. that it was a W. What's What's the worst people have messed up your name? Titty. Robin Titty. Really? Not kidding. I told you that. You, wait, no, when I don't I was, remember that. When they I said was, Robin Titty? I was in Kansas oh, doing an hilarious. internship at a news station in college. Uh-huh, of course. And one of the anchors introduced me as Robin Titty. <laughs> it was on a morning show. Wait, a male anchor or female? Yes, of course. Nice. How do you pronounce T-H-E-D-E-S, Titty? You know what was on his mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey. sir. I gotta find that footage because there is uh-huh. they cut to me after he says it and I'm just like uh-huh. shocked. But anyway. Robin, thanks for coming out, by the thanks way. I know for having I know me. you're exhausted on your world tour of I wouldn't have missed this for the world, you promotion. know. It. I'm so happy for Robin. Robin is so funny and a black lady sketch show. How about that? How about it? Black ladies doing sketch. I know. And HBO Friday nights at eleven. Yes, very Friday good. Friday nights at eleven after uh Bill Maher, I believe. That's right. The real timers. And um, last week you had your premiere episode. It was unbelievable. Oh my god! It thank was so you. funny, and thank the reviews you. have been amazing. They've been crazy. Yeah, I've hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Universally, hundred, hundred, keeping it a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And then Metacritic. Do you know Metacritic? I didn't know this. I've this is very inside. Right, right, right. So we have a ninety, which apparently is unheard of because it signals universal acclaim. But uh-huh. most shows are like even great shows are like eighty something. Right. So somebody pointed that out to me. I don't know what it means, but it's apparently uh-huh. it's good. Um, somebody let me know. Tweet me. Let me know if that's good. But uh-huh. um, yeah, it's it's really cool because you know you don't you never know how people are going to react to your stuff, right? right. You've put uh, one or two shows out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> slash <laughs> and a lot that haven't made it up there. Well, no, but <laughs> you know we're in a different day and age too. Right. When you put something out, people—it's not just critics that say mm-hmm. something. It's Twitter, and for us, it's Black Twitter, yeah. and you know, it's a lot. And the show's not going to be for everybody, but we're really happy that a lot of people like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not only like it; people are—I feel like people are claiming it already. You know, it's like that—like so. those type of reviews, which, yeah. which are great. Like you, it feel like you're in a moment, which is kind of nice. Does yeah, it feel like that on the inside, or yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Um, it does. And I think that's why, you know, people are so invested because mm-hmm. they feel like, oh, you made this for me. Yeah. And and I did in a lot of ways, especially if you're a black lady. But I just think for comedy in general, like, mm-hmm. we just needed—there was a hole that needed to be filled. And that's—I mm-hmm. think when you make the best TV, you find— I went back to Robin Titties. Don't. Don't. I knew you were—I knew it. I saw There's it in your face. There's just too many jokes you There's set too me many up jokes. for, There's too many jokes. You should know that. I it's know. A... <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on giving. But, right. yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, it's like— People are responding to it because mm-hmm. there's never been anything like this. Right. And they know that you're coming in a few episodes to be that's on right. the show. I make so, a little guest appearance. You do. You make a very right. funny guest appearance. I'm sure that's why people are tuning in. I think that's why. <laughs> They're just but, like, where is Larry? But that's kind of a component of your show is you have this amazing roster of guest stars who it's, are almost there to sell. It's almost like your show is the cookout, you know. It's so dumb. Where people are coming How to almost celebrate what you're doing. That's almost the feeling of it. Oh, that's amazing. That feels really nice to hear. Yeah, I do feel like it's like that. I mean, we have like, I don't know, 40 or 50 guest stars. 40 or 50? I never told anybody that. 
I'm telling you, I'm this breaking that time? on your podcast. 40, 50? Yeah, because mm. there were 21 in, in the trailer. Episodes. In six episodes. Right. There were 21 in the trailer, and people were like, wow, mm-hmm. you guys have so many guest stars. And I'm like, it's double that at least. <laughs> and then the regulars are getting all salty. <laughs> How come no. I ain't got that many lines in this? No, no, no. no. The crazy thing is it's the guest stars that don't, sure. you know. I mean, you know how many right. lines did you have? Oh, I don't. Who cares? Six. About that? I don't know. It, you probably have more happen. than anyone, honestly. I don't even care about that. Yeah, it was just fun to be there. And, yeah, yeah. And you know, too, we pack them in. Yeah. There's, right, right, right. We can't say everybody who's in your sketch because sure. they haven't all been announced. Right, right, but there's right. like four of them in your sketch. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. But the, but the main characters are still the main characters, sure. and my core cast of Gabrielle Union, Ashley Nicole Black, and Gab and uh, Quentin. Union. Lord Jesus, she's in the core cast. I'm so tired. I know. Gabrielle okay. Dennis. <laughs> Ashley Nicole Black, yes. Quinta Brunson. Right, which is an yeah. amazing cast. Yeah, and to really me, is. I look at this show, and you know me, I love the history of television and comedy, all that stuff. I feel it's Python-esque. That's wow. going to be my review. Wow. Monty Python-esque. What you guys have done is you've taken a form and you've taken it to a different level, but it's smart, wow. it's funny, it's from your point of view, it's it's definitely subversive yes. in many ways. And I want to talk about some of the. Let's talk about how it started, though. Where where did the idea come from? I mean, I you know, of course, you're doing the rundown, the great show, yeah, on BT. Rest in peace. I know, it, and it was a great show. I'm Thank not you. saying that ironically. Um, so many people did love that show, and like, yeah, you were a unicorn on that show as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I think. Um, that show was great. We had 24 episodes a year under uh-huh. our belt, and I think we would have continued to grow. But, you know, BET is a network that has to make money on yeah. ads. And if you don't hit a certain ratings mark, you know, mm-hmm. they just don't want to invest the time and money. Now they have a streaming service, actually. Yeah, now they have a streaming yeah. service. So that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whatever, I'm gone. <laughs> no, I think it's all good. I think, look, everybody's got to try to be malleable in this business yeah. and make it work. And I'm glad that they're doing sure. that. Sure, and you got to have that as a platform. And- it's- Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was fantastic. Yeah. And they were very supportive of the show. Yeah. Um, Did you in- feel like it was good to... Oh, I'm sorry. You were yeah, going to say no. up until... Up until they canceled it. That right, was just right, like exactly. You being salty. But I was going to say... Well, was probably good about it. And for those, of course, you know, Robin was on the nightly show. On yep. shows, the first black female head writer. In late of, night history. Late and night I history. hired the second on mine. Yes, which was great. But Robin, also, you gained an audience being on camera on that yeah. show, too. And Thanks to you. Well, I mean, thanks to you. You're the talented one that came down. Yeah, us. no, I'm very talented. Yes. That's true. <laughs> well, you got to get Robin early in the morning, you guys, because it's like Robin doesn't drink, but this is the equivalent of Robin drunk is You're early so in right. the morning. He's getting her guard down in a different way. Well, what I wanted to ask, and we've just started, too. We're not even loopy yet. <laughs> uh, but the experience you got to be as the person in charge who's calling the shots and the person on camera. How invaluable was that experience? Where everything, yeah. you know, you you have to like know when to to put all your energies into it, when to step back. Yeah. How, how invaluable was that kind of experience? Well, I blame you because that- you had this plan for me before I had this plan for mm-hmm. me. And um, uh, so you know, I came on as a head writer only when you hired me. Yeah. I was not hired as a correspondent. Right. That's sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was happy to do that. Yeah. But quickly, you know, it became apparent that I had stuff to say and you yeah. always provided all of us with an amazing platform to do so. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think balancing those at first was challenging because mm-hmm. we had we were making a daily show, like, right. you know, a nightly show, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so and so that was a challenge, but it 
totally prepared me for what was next. Mm -hmm. Um, Because uh, a few months into the rundown, I became my own showrunner as well. Um, And not my own head writer, but my own showrunner, which Mm -hmm. is an even bigger position. Um, And then coming on to this show, HBO was like, yeah, so you're going to show run your own show, which again, I didn't think I was going to do, but they were like, well, who else would do it? And I was like, you're right. (laughs) But you kind of have to. It's it's really your vision. No no one has more experience than you do in this particular arena, right? Right, right. So I had to do it. And all of that prepared me starting absolutely um, with with well, with Queen Latifah a little bit because I was on camera and I was head writer there. But by the time I got mm-hmm. to the nightly show, it was that was like okay, this is yeah. a real high profile nighttime show. That's mm-hmm. like you know you can't mess up. And every yeah. day, you know, we would say you know tomorrow's a new day and blah blah blah. Right. But you still wanted to make every day that important. Mm-hmm. And we always wanted to impress you, and we always just wanted to do a good job. And so I carried that with me, and I know that. Um, the things that I do mean so much more to other people oh, right, as right, well right. as myself. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, that's yeah. the thing that you start to take on is like, mm-hmm. oh, when you're one, the only black woman in late night yeah. hosting, you know, currently in the landscape, people are looking for you for very specific opinions and you mm-hmm. can't let them down. Yeah, the first time you did uh, the black lady speak on that. Oh, black show. lady sign language on yes. the nightly show. Somebody asked me about that the other day. And isn't it funny how something like that, like you joke about that all the time. All the you time. Know, and you used to do it in the office and we would just laugh about it. Do you it. remember how that got on the air? I think you, well, I remember you joking about it. Yeah. And we said, well, we have to put this on, yeah. on television, but I don't remember specifically. Right? I know. I remember exactly. Okay, go for it. Okay. Yeah. So now tell them what the, what okay. the bit is. So yeah. Black Lady Sign Language is a bit that I did on the nightly show mm-hmm. that um, got a lot of attention, but it's basically how black women use their hands to communicate yes. things. It may look aggressive or, <laughs> right, right. you know, scary, but it's not. And right. a lot of times when we clap or when we snap our fingers or when we, you know, do certain things with our hands that I cannot show you on a podcast, right. um, it, you know, I just served as kind of a, a, a guide to explain the different mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you're helping hand us movements. Out. Helping right. everyone out in a comedic way. So that was really fun. But So I would always do this around the office, and I'd be like, when a black woman does this, it means this, and blah, right. blah, blah. And that day, a story we could not source mm-hmm. the right facts for. Mm-hmm. And we were going to do it, and it was getting carried from the morning meeting, I think, to later in the afternoon. Mm. We were like, ooh, this thing's not going to go in the second act. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a black lady's sign language. And you were like, yeah, 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 that's good. I'm like, yeah, do that, do that. (laughs) And then I wrote it in like 45 minutes. And then you were like, yeah, this is good. Let's do this. This is good. This is good. (laughs) Do that. Let Robin do that. And it was a whole second act. So, you know, at that point it was just like, um, we always had it in our back pocket. We knew it was something we wanted to do. And then the time came and we put it together. Well, to me it was so exciting because— I knew, you know, knowing the potential that you had. I first met Robin when she was doing the Elite Delta Force. That's the right. Your group, right? That's right. And you were a sketch, a uh, black lady sketch comedy troupe. Yeah. One of one of a few that I've had the pleasure of being in. Yeah. And that's the whole point about this new show is, like, I had so much fun with Elite Delta Force 3, mm-hmm. with 227, The Lost yes, Episode. I'm sorry, 3. I with, forgot, yes, you yes. forgot the 3. How dare you? <laughs> sorry about that. Um, uh, with 227, The Lost Episodes, with yes. Holly Walker and I had a two-woman show. I uh-huh. was part of a, another black lady sketch group in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been able to perform with them for, dec- for you know, what, uh, how long have I been doing improv? Um, seven decades. And— uh, <laughs> Very old, no, but but the better part of two decades. Sure, and absolutely. and uh, I was never able to bring that whole element to TV. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, everything on the nightly show led me to here because we were doing sketchy sort of stuff there, and then on the rundown, I got to shoot, you know, be out in the field more and shooting. Well, I was saying with, with the rundown, it, it was the 
you were in charge, you know, yeah. and trying to regulate yourself and and being able to, you know, knowing that you had to appear on camera. Yeah. And also being able to have the eyes to look at everything. Yeah. You know, that kind of preparation really gets you ready for yes. what you're doing now. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. More it, so, I'm saying that's more so than The Nightly Show. I mean, the, it was rundown, the, next level. the yeah. rundown was really that thing. Yeah. And you could kind of judge by how the audience reacts. And did you get a better sense of yourself as like where you belong yeah. and what you should be doing by doing yes. the rundown? Yes. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, you're right. When it's all on your shoulders, I mean, you said this to me um, when I started. You said, there's going to be a time <laughs> where someone's asking you for an answer and you look behind you <laughs> to ask the person in charge and right. there's no one there. That's true. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that has yeah. resonated with me so deeply. I think about it all the time because I'm like, that has happened every day since you told me that. <laughs> That's so funny. And so, yeah, you have to like, and the runtime was interesting because I was the only person on it. We yeah. didn't have a cast. Right. That's true. Yeah. So any sketches, it's it was really just me. Shows. Yeah, it was yeah. all me. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, this show is really nice because it is an ensemble of four. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely like, it's obviously still my show, but sure. you know, I think the core four is very strong and very present on the show yeah. in a, in equal ways. Yeah. And so it's not all on my shoulders, although I'm in 90% of the sketches, but mm-hmm. sometimes only for like two lines. Mm-hmm. And those are some of my favorite roles. Yeah. But there is that juggling you have to do as the showrunner of an HBO show and mm-hmm. like having to manage so many departments and so many. Um, it's the same size crew mm-hmm. as I've had like on the rundown, but like different. It's different positions. It's yeah. different types of things that you have to get done when you're not shooting to turn it around the same day and of same course, week. Yeah, and the pace is different, of course. Let's talk about the beginnings of it. So the rundown goes down. Yes. And Sorry, you asked me that like 20 minutes ago. No, that's ago. okay. Yeah. That's why I'm the host here. I try I know, to get, keep so us on track. <laughs> yeah. so but uh, Robin's so nice. She's always so nice. Um, so did Issa approach you? Issa Ray, who's the executive producer in here. Yeah. Did she approach you about wanting to do something? Oh, cool. So how did that Did she call you? Yeah. Or let's talk so about that. Yeah. she called me. So mm-hmm. the, the announcement for the rundown getting canceled, which yeah. was like a year and a week ago wow. today. Like it was not even that long ago. That's true. I, it's wow. crazy how yeah. fast it happened. So, and I remember talking to you in the meantime going, when are they going to pick up that show? I remember know. The, you were hanging on yep. for so long. Yep. We were— Everybody was getting frustrated. About yep. That, we know? were taking bets on whether or not it was going to come back. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. So, the show gets canceled. Mm-hmm. It hits the press. People go crazy. Mm-hmm. I get one phone call. One. Mm. It wasn't like networks were beating down my door to pick up this critically acclaimed, 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes show. Right. I get one phone call. It's from Issa Rae. And she says, um, yeah, so your show's um, canceled. So, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't great. like sorry or I feel bad. She yeah. was like, "So what are we doing? You're unemployed. I'm 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 ready to work with you. Let's go." And we'd talked about it before, but right. she was I didn't know. You never know how serious people are. Sure. And we've been friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Um we met because of you. We met mm-hmm. when she came to the nightly show right. and um she told a really funny story we on had, Callen we, the other night. For or, a while, we were thinking about having her more as a regular uh, yes, in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. God we did not, by I the way. Know, but it was before I knew if Insecure was going to make right. it. Right. Yeah. Right. She said, you used to talk about me at Insecure. And <laughs> she was so like, funny. who is this? But she keeps this. That's she's hilarious. smart. She's funny. I got to meet her. Um, yeah, she said she got jealous. What? I do not believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that in any way, shape, or form. That cannot be possible. Um, but anyway, so she's amazing. And so she said, look, I have this production deal at HBO. I want to. I want this to be the next show that we make, mm-hmm. you know? And so I already had a relationship with Amy Gravitt at HBO. Yeah. And I said, you know, 
I really like Amy. I love you, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's take a meeting. Now, I had already been soft-pitching this show while the rundown was on because I thought I could shoot it between seasons, Mm -hmm. which never would have been possible. But um, so there were network—there was already network interest. But I was like, you know, I haven't taken it to HBO. Let's see. And I remember you were developing a script at ABC at the time Yes, I had sold—I also, within uh, two weeks— with Sony or some— Yep, with Sony and ABC. Wow. Within two weeks of the rundown being canceled, I sold this show to HBO and sold that ABC pilot. Yeah. But so—so we walk into a dinner— um, with HBO and Issa's there and I'm there and Amy Gravitz there and it's just a very small intimate mm-hmm. dinner and I pitch her the show in like five minutes and before the food comes she says yeah okay let's do it unbelievable that's so amazing so and you weren't in a in a like in someone's no, office or something like that you're at no, dinner we were at dinner that's great and um and then we just laughed and joked and pitched sketches and I mean I I hadn't written a thing I hadn't shot a thing I had a deck but mm. and I sent that to her a deck you know like a little PowerPoint I'm presentation sorry. yeah <laughs> stop it uh, <laughs> it's too um, early I'm and sick. so and so <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so um it was great and so we moved basically by November. That was in August. Mm -hmm. By November, I was hiring writers, interviewing writers. And then, you know, contracts take a while to get closed and everything. But, yeah, October, November. And HBO can have their own process. They can develop things for years. And it's like they fast-tracked this. They did. Well, there was no development. To to air was less than a year. Pitch to air was almost a year to the day. That's crazy. Less than a year. It was like 362 days. That's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. And they were kind of like head-spinning. The promo and marketing departments were like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, uh, uh." (laughs) (laughs) but they got it together. Right. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, it was really fast. I mean, because it you know it takes a while. This is maybe too insidery, but it takes a while to get a contract for the show and what sure. it's going to be and what the budget's going to be and all of that. But they decided to give us six episodes straight to series. Mm-hmm. There was no pilot. It's um, it's crazy how fast it happened. We got our head writer Lauren Ashley Smith on board, our director Dime Davis on board for the whole series. We got our writers on board, and then by January seventh, we were in the writers' room mm. writing. We wrote for eight weeks, which is so fast. We shot the show in five That's weeks. That's amazing. Which is crazy. Um, and to have it look as cinematic as it is and yes. as beautiful as it is is so crazy. And uh, and then we, you know, it takes two months to edit or whatever and for them to, like, put yeah. billboards up. And then we're on the air. August uh, 2nd. Crazy. The show looks, it sounds great, too, as well. It has such a style to it. Let's talk about um, first assembling that the group of writers and, yeah. and what your first ideas were. Did, did you start with more of a simple idea for this? Was it more complicated, your beginning? I'm talking about like when, you first, when you're first starting to do this show. Uh, where were you in terms of the concept of it? How far down the road? So are writers on board yet? Writers aren't on board yet. You're about to hire writers. It's just writers. me. I'm about yeah. to hire writers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know I have a show at HBO, but I right. haven't hired writers yet. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And do you know it's and at that you had pitched Black Lady Sketch Show, right? Yes. I had okay, pitched, so, so you I had knew it was gonna be that. the Black Lady Sketch Show. Ah. And then we changed it to A. Interesting. So it's just one of many as opposed to a singular right. option. Um uh so I knew I was always describing the show as a narrative sketch series mm-hmm. where black women live grounded experiences in a magical reality. Okay, so explain that. Break that down. So for what me. does that mean? That mm-hmm. means uh Black women get to do regular things like shopping at the grocery store, mm-hmm. but the checkout person may be a unicorn. 
like right. an actual unicorn <laughs> that yes. is not on the show, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> it could happen in this universe. Mm-hmm. So what happens now, if you haven't seen the show, this is a bit of a spoiler, but the four women in the interstitials in the house, the, the material that ties the sketches together, are li- are spending 12 hours after an apocalypse has happened. They're the last four surviving. (laughs) Yes. uh, They know now it's Mm -hmm. out, but they're the last, uh, the last four people to survive a a world ending event are four black women, which I love. There's obviously commentary in that as well. But so then throughout the show in the sketches, I wanted them to be grounded narrative, meaning they have full beginning, middles and ends. They Mm -hmm. have story lines that go somewhere. They have characters that are fully developed and three dimensional. Um, and then we can follow them throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm excited for people to see as we get into episode two and beyond is that characters will come back. You'll meet new ones, mm-hmm. but you'll go on these journeys with characters um, to find out where they end up yeah. at the end of episode six. And then you'll also find out where these heightened versions of ourselves in these interstitials end up and what's going to happen at the now that it is the end of the world. And when so when you start the writing process and did you start with your head writer? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Lauren Ashley Smith, who was uh, my head writer at the rundown also. I begged her to, so talented. I begged her to come out from New York and she did. Uh Um, And so I started with her because she's fantastic. She wrote the Hair Maid's Tale sketch that we did on the rundown, (laughs) which was a fantastic I remember that. That went viral. Yeah, Yeah, it did. It got named one of the best late night moments of 2017. Yeah. Like two episodes in. Yeah, whatever. You have to see Robin Um, as she's doing that. She's kind (laughs) of casually scratching herself, looking the other direction. (laughs) She's, she looks one direction and throws out the information in the other direction is how that works. <laughs> just I'm, voted I'm the best I'm learning how to be humble. Boom, and then flicks it away. You're just scratching eye <laughs> yeah. dirt out. What's yeah. this in my eye as I give out this little nugget? What's this in my eye? Oh, an accomplishment. <laughs> oh, it's a, let me drop this accomplishment from my eye onto the table. Let's get that out there. Just, just take that. Did you see it? It, it fell away. <laughs> It's okay. There's more where that came from. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look what's in my ear. Right oh, oh, what is that? An Ooh, Emmy? An Not Emmy, yet? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, but yeah, I think... Um, uh, so I got her on board. She's so dynamic. She's so creative. Yes. She's also really good at getting the best out of writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to raising have... Raising that bar. Yeah, raising mm-hmm. the bar, but also dealing with a firm but friendly hand. Yes. Whereas me as a head writer is a lot more of a dictator. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Give me that Exactly. So she's she's really good at that. And and yeah. we are this dynamic duo who has literally been inseparable for a couple of years and now. And she was your first hire? My first hire. Oh, great, 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 great. Yeah. And was your plan, and see, I've been in so many different writers' room, and I love the fact I love the disruptor writers room that you have. Is it is it all black women? All in your black writers women. Room? See, that's fucking amazing. I know. And people think, you know, like I love that something like that is such a disruption. But it was never a big deal to have an all white male writers room ever right? in the like history no of television. Of they it. still exist. Yes, I know. So this is like. How can they do that? I, Where do they find these people? I know. And I didn't want anyone to be a token anything. Sure. You know, it's like people have literally like tweeted at me, well, why don't you have a white man in the writer's room? It's, mm-hmm. you know, oh, real diverse writer's room, you know, sarcastically. I'm like, uh-huh. it actually is diverse. Mm-hmm. We have older writers. We have LGBTQ writers. Right. We have, you know, people from different light walks skin, of life. dark skin. Light, no, I'm the only light skin. <laughs> um, no, no, that's not true. But, um... Uh, yeah, I think I think for us it was important that we represent black women from a variety of experiences. Right. That we have a woman who was a stripper who went to Princeton. We have a woman who— Is that the same um, person? 
Yes, it's the same person. Ray Sani, who wrote on The Good Place and Lil Rel. That's her story. It's amazing. Uh We have, you know, people who don't conform to gender norms. We have people Mm -hmm. who um, came for money, people who didn't. You know, most of us didn't. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's why they're so hardworking too. But the writers' room is Akila Green, who came from Chelsea Handler's late night show. Yeah. Holly Walker, who we know and love from the Yay, Nightly Holly. Show in Second City. So funny. She's so ridiculously funny. Mm-hmm. And she's in a bunch of sketches too, yeah, which is fantastic. Which is great. Uh, Ray Sani, who I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brittany Nichols, who was an actress on Transparent, also wrote on Take My Wife, who's unbelievably funny. Mm-hmm. Ashley Nicole Black, who's in the cast, who's so a writer performer. Yeah. And Amber Ruffin, who wrote uh, from New York while she's on Late Night with Seth Myers, who is unbelievably funny. So, yeah. You know, and then Lauren and I. So it's it was really important for me that we are able to represent black women in a bunch of different ways so that it didn't feel like we're a monolith or you're only getting one mm-hmm. type of comedy. I'm so glad you named everybody because that is a murderer's row, you know. It really is. Um, to, and people think when you have an all-black female, uh, all-black lady writer's room mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, you must have pulled somebody up who's never written before. It's like, mm-hmm. no, these women have credits. Like, right. these women have Emmys, mm-hmm. Peabody's. Like, they have awards. They're a yeah. fantastic writers. Yeah, there's pedigree in here, which is great because then it opens the door for other people to do the same type of thing, which is nice. Yeah. And when I went, when I hired my writer, so we had to move really quickly. Mm. Um, it was important that before Insecure started up that we got mm. this off the ground because Issa really wanted to be intimately involved and okay. on episodes. And so had, it was important that we did How long was your writing? Five weeks? Did you eight say? weeks. Eight weeks. And okay. then we wrote for an extra two while we were doing okay. like uh, cleanup stuff, punch up stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, so we we had to jump right into that writer's room right in January. And so I interviewed 24 black women writers in three days. Mm. And I had to narrow it down to six. But I could have easily chosen any one of those women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not use agencies to send me writers because yeah. they always send me the same three white dudes, honestly. Yeah. And I was Papa, like, every show I staff. Just look at the scripts blind. No, thank you. <laughs> Uninterested. I, I love how people do that. And I was like, no, I'm going to hire a black woman. That's what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> and that's at the bar for me. I was like, oh, I didn't yeah. know you could do that. I didn't yeah. know you could be you so intentional. You can consciously do something with intent. Yeah. Rather than act like, well, because that's what they did for you years, you know, and then act like, well, we're not going to, I'm just going to do it blind and still hire the same people. But your blind submissions mm. are still from agents who only have white male clients. Right. Yeah. So how blind are they? You remember for the nightly show, we have 450 submissions. No, that's that's a lot. crazy. It took a month to read them. Yeah. And then we ended up with like the most diverse room in late night Completely. to that point. Yeah. And you would always say, people would go, oh, how did you get a room like that? You were like, because it was a choice. Yes, exactly. What do you mean? How do we get a room like that? It, it was a, a choice. choice. Yeah. And all of those people were so good in their They're own great. right. Yeah. And some people had no experience, but they had experience doing other things. And their packets were amazing. Yeah, their packets were amazing. They were good writers, but they were bringing life experience. A hundred percent. Everybody and, brought different things. Yeah, we wanted a unicorn room where it's like people who— weren't writing just the same jokes we've That's seen right. in late night. That's right. You know, and that was very important. You know, what you're bringing from your life, I felt, was as important as what you've done in the business. They're both important. 100%. You know? And that was the same. I mean, in this show, because we only had six spots, Yeah, we were lucky enough to get the women who were at the top of their game who did have a yeah. ton of experience. But um, it honestly could have been any one of those. And literally, I just went through my phone. And I was like, okay, 24. That's I can do eight a day without yeah. dying. <laughs> and then— um, And then— you know, we were able to narrow it down, but it mm-hmm. was it wasn't hard. It's it's a complete lie that black women are not out here writing comedy and Absolutely. that they aren't good at it or unavailable or whatever. Right. That is such a lie. Yeah, and I just hate that that continues to be perpetuated because it was so easy for me. Or that it's not accessible. 
Because the humor that you guys do, I mean, it's when I say subversive, some of the sketches truly are subversive. You, you haven't know? even seen anything yet. Wait till next and week. I purposely this have week. not watched it. Yeah. Because uh, you guys sent it to us. I said, no, I want to watch I it. Know. On, I know. You know what it is? I want to experience it on television. Yes. You know, which is a great way to yeah. see it because you view it. I feel like when you see it on television, you view it in the light of everything else. Yes. So it's even more of a yes. joy to watch. You're like, oh, this is so much better than all this other and stuff. And the, the way we yeah. built the show, Lauren and I, it mm-hmm. really builds to an insane finale. Yeah. And we wanted to start slow for people. Not slow. It is not slow. And build anticipation. But we wanted too, to right? build. Yeah. Well, we mm-hmm. wanted to start off with sketches that we thought, okay, people will get these. Um, and then get weirder and weirder and uh-huh. push people's understanding of what sketch can be, right. especially in what black women can do. Right. And I think for some people that may be disarming or confusing, mm-hmm. but I think the people that get it will get it. And the people that don't, hopefully they'll keep watching and they'll they'll get it as they go. And it's funny. I think people might think that the subject matter is black woman if this is black lady schedule, but it's not. not. It's the source material, That's which right. is different. It's the point of view. Those are two different points of view. Two, source yep. material is different than subject matter. That's right. You know, and some of the sketches, I, I'll talk about one of my favorites. Um, yeah, because you say it's been on the air. It yeah. doesn't matter, yeah. And then I want to talk about the, the cast uh, specifically, too. Okay. Is, <laughs> I'm just going to call it Black Lady Spy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Invisible Spy. Invisible Spy yeah. is an amazing idea. Ashley to me, Nicole Black. It's an written inst- and performed by. It's an instant classic. Yeah. Uh, talk about that sketch. And uh, can I say this? Yeah, let's say it because it's you. It comes back this week in a very heightened, heightened uh, continuation. I can't wait. Because as you see, that sketch just kind of ends. Yeah. And it doesn't end on a hard joke. Exactly. And it doesn't end on any sort of—you don't know if it's a cliffhanger. Yeah. It just ends. This is what I mean by Python-esque. Yes. You know, you have and your threads what, that are continuing. Yes. Yeah. And I think uh-huh. that's what some people are like, what? Right. And you leave people going, what? Even at the end of the episode, people are like, what? Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm going to challenge you. I'm not going to give you a fart joke or a whatever joke and let you laugh. I'm going to make you go on this journey with right. me. And you're going to get a lot of laughs and you're going to get a lot of characters. But, like, I'm going to challenge the audience. And that's a big thing about HBO. They were mm-hmm. like, don't dumb anything down, which you taught me, too, is, like, mm-hmm. don't punch down. Right. Don't dumb down for your audience. audience They're very smarter smart. smarter than us, not dumber. That's right. Right. So I'm going to challenge the audience to follow us along with these things. And to see the, the tricky little things that we're mm-hmm. putting in the show and the Easter eggs and the— Things that you'll only see upon second, maybe third viewing. Right. So Invisible Spy is a sketch that Ashley Nicole Black uh, conceived of, wrote, and stars in. It is about Trinity, the Invisible Spy, (laughs) a regular-looking black woman. (laughs) Regular-looking. Who doesn't—it's not about her size. It's not about her appearance. It's just that, in general, she's just a regular-looking black woman. That's right. Who functions as the CIA's best spy because— no one pays any attention to her. Unbelievable. So she can infiltrate literally any place, anytime, unnoticed. Because she is literally and figuratively invisible. Invisible, that's right. Yes. And people literally stare her in the face and allow her to get away with things because they do not see her. Yeah. And the messed up thing about this is like, you're right, it's it's literal and figurative because it's like, they don't see me like as a person. They don't right. value who I am. But then sometimes people are looking right at her Yeah. and— She's just invisible. And so it makes her really great at her job. And she comes <laughs> yes. up against her nemesis, mm-hmm. who's another 
regular looking black woman played <laughs> yes. by Nicole Byer. On a whole meta level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Nicole and Ashley are often confused for each other in which real life as well, which is funny. stupid and funny. Um, and so it was such a coup for us to get Nicole Byer in this role. She and she's hilarious. so great in it. Yeah. Um, and so they meet up and they finally met their match. And so they have a fight and no one truly wins. Mm-hmm. But this week you may find out how... That resolves. Okay, let's talk about your cast. How did you assemble the cast? And let's mention their names again. I texted them, and they said <laughs> these yes. are all these were all friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, n- name so, the cast. Gabrielle Dennis uh-huh. is um, a woman who people know from the game, from mm-hmm. Luke Cage, from Rosewood, playing Whitney Houston on the she's, Bobby Brown story. She's mainly been a, a dramatic actress. Mainly right? been a dramatic right. actress, but I knew her. Do you remember when Damon Wayans had a sketch show on Showtime years ago? It wow. only lasted a season. God, I don't remember. I that. remember because Damon she and I tested. Yes, and she and I tested for it together. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh, this girl is funny." Right. And this was I don't know, fifteen years ago. And uh-huh. so she was so funny, and she struck me back then because she's an incredible mimic. She's unbelievable. She's, she's unbelievable. So you haven't even seen anything yet. And she's funny. She could do little things. Yes, her looks. In the, the bad bitch sketch. I know. Oh, my God. Well, that's a Michelle A voice. She's doing yeah. Michelle A's impersonation yeah. as that character, which is really funny, which yeah. is kind of a deep dive for some people mm-hmm. or a, a, a little gem of mm-hmm. a nugget. You can Google it. But anyway, um, she's a mimic, especially of singers. Yeah. Um, we have Patti LaBelle on the show, which is no surprise. It's in the trailer. Right. And when during our table reads, obviously, Patti wasn't there. And Patty sings on the show, and Gabrielle would sing the parts that Patty was gonna do, uh-huh. and you thought Patty LaBelle was in the room. It's an uncanny gift wow. that she has. Um, so Which she's, means she's a good singer. She's too. a great singer, yeah. but she also has this really crazy, and honestly, no one has tapped in enough um, skill for being able to mimic, um, especially vocally, singers and and voices. So mm-hmm. she's got that unique talent. She also used to do stand-up, and people don't remember her from that part of her mm. career because she got swept away into drama, right. which I think any good comedic actor can also do drama. Um, but so she's fantastic. Quinta Brunson, as you know, yeah. is— some a review called her a spark plug Absolutely. that is the you know the charge of the show and i agree with that 100%. She is this little dynamo who is people go oh she went from buzzfeed to hbo it's like no 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 no. She <laughs> had tv deals. She, she had a show at cbs yeah, with we you. Yeah, we were developing something last year with Quentin. Yeah, she's ridiculously mm-hmm. funny. She's got all this stuff coming out, movie, tvs, all these all these things and she is um unbelievably funny and resourceful in her own psyche. Mm-hmm. She's a woman who can pull things out that um, she's seen in life experiences from yeah. other people growing up in Philadelphia or living in L.A. Yeah. And she finds those things about real people and makes you think they're her characteristics as a character. She's instantly indelible. Um, yes. Her, her, you're absolutely right. Her observation of character is amazing. It's crazy. The, the lesbian bar sketch. Oh, my God. Dance batter. Yeah. She's unbelievable it, in that sketch. Her just her observation of that character. And she has like four lines. Yes, but it's so she's it's so, so good. subtle, but yes. But uh, you it's know, all it's in just, her face. Yes, exactly. And it's not overacted. It's, it's not, not over the pushed. top. And, and doesn't go for any easy joke no. of you know how you could do mannerism jokes? You know what I'm talking yeah, about. I'm Wait. up on 
the table uh, twerking on a staircase. Yes, yes where, where I know. Sometimes mannerisms are over the top and it ruins the character. Yeah. Hers are so perfect and for that. And it's yes. a real Abbott and Costello thing happening yeah, with yeah, us yeah. in that sketch because sure. I'm so big and so broad. Yeah. Literally above her, right? There's a reason why I was up on a sure. table because she is grounded and I am not. Oh. You know, there's lots of this. This show Look works on a layers. lot of levels. Yes. It really does. And we think about all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the stuff she does with her face and her interpretation of this really, a sketch that could have been really super simple and stupid and silly right. turns yeah. into this, like, thriller yeah, that is something scary. Else. It's and, almost a mini and, movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how we approach every sketch Yeah. as a short film. And we have visual and cinematic references for each of them that our director, right. Dime Davis, really leaned into. Yeah, and I want to talk about her in a second, too. Okay, so. And then Ashley Nicole Black. Ashley Nicole Black. I mean, this woman is she literally has a PhD in second in in sketch comedy. She went to Second City mm-hmm. uh, and Northwestern and studied literal sketch writing as a PhD Northwestern program. Northwestern where Robin went. Where I well. also went. Mm-hmm. Um, she is unbelievable. She was on Full Frontal with Samantha B. Yeah. has won and been nominated for several Emmys, um, has won one of them and for sure will win more. Uh, she's nominated again for that show yet again yeah. this year. Um, she, See, that's another thing. Let me pause for a second. Because you mentioned that earlier, and yeah. we talk about pedigree. You're hiring accomplished people. <laughs> yeah, it's I didn't not hire like jokers off the street, out of the gutter. right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like no one was hiring these women. Exactly. That's, That's insane. what I'm saying. Yes, for it's people to say they that can't they find them, she's an Emmy winner. Co- yes, correct. Yes. So she was on a show uh, uh-huh. that was obviously hugely acclaimed, but you know she was working on someone else's show, yeah. and I think it was time for me for the world to see a plus size woman who writes her own material, she's who so writes smart. so relatably. She's yeah. so brilliant, yeah. and that Invisible Spy sketch is just one of many moments in this mm-hmm. show. You will be so thrilled to see her. She wrote do. the one I'm in, right? She did. Yeah, she right. did, and she's such a standout in this show, and in such a unique way. They mm-hmm. all stand out in their own way, but she, for me. There's a sketch in episode five that I cannot talk about. <sighs> she plays this character, Jackie Woodson. That doesn't give anything away because okay. it's a very generic name. Right. It is a master class in performance. Wow. She did not write the sketch. Lauren Ashley Smith wrote the sketch. But she, which is even more of a credit to her performance ability because she takes on this character who I was supposed to play. And I was like, hell no, I'm not playing that character. <laughs> it's it's so hard. Uh-huh. It's so hard. And you know I'll try anything. Mm-hmm. I could not do it. Mm. And she read it one time, and the whole room was on the floor. So the part was up for grabs. Part you- was up for grabs because wow. I was trash at it. Uh-huh. and which, which is You what were I, going to play it. I was trying to play it. Okay. Lauren saw, foresaw it. For me, saw it for me. Got it. Um, and I was like, I'm terrible at this. And I knew that. And that's what you have to be as a showrunner who's also a performer. You have to know when you're not right for the part. Mm-hmm. There are several parts that my cast beat me out for, rightfully so. And I was so happy mm-hmm. to see it. Mm-hmm. And so there's this character in episode five that she plays. And after her first take, mm-hmm. the extras stood up and clapped for her. And I ran over to her and grabbed her and started bawling. And I was like, I can't wait for the world to see you this way. Wow. It's so unbelievable. Yeah. The sketch material itself actually doesn't even matter. It's what she's doing with it. Mm. Um, I mean, the sketch material does matter. But the lasting impact for me will be seeing this plus-size woman who has long been ignored in the industry mm-hmm. um, doing material mostly, largely, that she wrote 
um, playing a, a woman who's who's in relationships, mm-hmm. who's in charge of her life, who's narcissistic, who's pessimistic, who's annoying, who's who's nice, who's all of the things, who has all these dimensions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just somebody who's. She always tells this joke that she says a fat black woman always has to have a cake in the fridge and it's not even in a box. <laughs> she said every fat black woman has a scene where she goes and opens the fridge <laughs> and it's just the cake there waiting for her. <laughs> a cake. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, first of all, if I did have a cake, it would be in a box. I'm not a monster. But she's like, I don't have a cake in the fridge. A like, <laughs> such a that bitch. is so funny. But how a accurate is that, right? Like, every fat black woman was just waiting with a cake oh, to eat, eat her man. sorrows away. And I'm like, oh my God, why didn't you pitch that? That's such a good sketch. She's yeah. like, because it's on every show. You don't need to see it. Right. And so I'm like, oh mm. my God, that is such a great point. It's, it's She sees things like that. Yeah. And you know, it's yes, not about, that's but really you, good, you know, yeah. but her comedy is not all about, yeah. oh, I'm fat or I'm this or mm-hmm. I'm that. And that's why people, it's, that would get old very quickly. Right. The, the political thing and the challenging thing and the, special thing about her being in this show the way she is is that she gets to do everything we get to do and more Mm -hmm. and so you know there's no like pigeonholing and I think that's what's exciting to me Mm -hmm. about her and uh, let's talk about Dime Davis, your, your director. How'd you find Dime? Dime Davis is somebody who another I— Another black woman. Another black woman. I mean, <laughs> ad nauseum if we need to keep saying it, yeah. but they're all black women. Um, so um, she is this phenomenal director. She had actually directed Boomerang, Lena Waithe's show for uh, BET, right. and was coming right off of that, like literally the day of. And I was stalking her and blowing up her phone because Boomerang cinematically to me was something I had never seen um on certainly on BET, but on a lot of shows. And so, so and you I, saw that and then said, I got oh, a sneak wow. of that. Right. And then um, Justin Simeon, who's a great friend of mine, director mm-hmm. and writer people. of Dear White People, mm-hmm. and um, a movie coming out called Bad Hair that I'm in, which plug for me, but it's also a great movie. You guys have to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so he said, Dime Davis, that's the person. And, you know, all, of course, all the agencies kept sending me white dudes. Yeah. They sent me like one black dude. And he was like, I got to be honest with you. I don't get what you're trying to do. And I was like, that's fair. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And so we met with a few black women. Some of them were just a little, um, uh, they just did, weren't quite right. Weren't quite a right fit. Sure. They were great. Mm-hmm. But Dime came in with a whole presentation. And she was like, I'm going to take things from Shaun of the Dead to A League of Their Own mm-hmm. to Jason Bourne. And this is how we're going to. She didn't even know all the sketches. Yeah. We had just given her kind of one-line pitches about some of them. And she got it like she was writing in the room. Mm-hmm. And that was so important to us because we wanted a singular director in season one. We wanted one series director for the whole thing because we had to shoot so fast. So you're, you're kind of cross-boarding some of it? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cross-boarding, shooting block shooting. For- People they're shooting over different episodes, not just one episode at a time. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. So we did that the whole time. Right. So every day we're shooting one to three sketches, usually mm-hmm. a minimum of two. It was very rare. If we shot one, it was just a big epic one. Mm-hmm. But even on the day you came, that was an epic one with like a hundred dancers, Absolutely. and we still shot two sketches that yeah. day. Um, so it's you know, a hot air balloon one. Yes, yes, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so she came in and she just understood the vision right away. Mm-hmm. And when I told her black women living grounded experiences in a magical reality, she said, "You're speaking my language." And so mm-hmm. you know, it was just really a dream team. And then Lauren Ashley Smith is just such a dynamic writer and uh, co EP also. Mm-hmm. And so Dime was also a co EP. So they between them and Issa and her camp, everybody really had hands in what this was going to um, look like and feel like and yet trusted my vision the whole way through, which was really great. Great. And um, 
the cinematic look of it is one of the other things that stands out completely for yeah. a sketch show where you know how Saturday Night Live, they'll do those films and it looks nice. But then you go back and you're doing a video, <laughs> right, right, live show. Whereas this entire show, yeah. you get to have that feel yeah. where it look, it's so polished and it's so yep. it's so complete. But yet it still invites us in. Like um, one of the parts, if you haven't seen the show, the, the beginning of the show is one of the most enjoyable parts. I think it was picked up in one of the reviews of it. I think I read all your reviews. You know? They're all great, though. They all had all the reviews had such interesting takes. But I agreed with one where it said... The part where you guys are talking on the couch is almost a show in itself. Yeah. It's so enjoyable. And what's enjoyable about it is what, to me, what the show is about, you know, where black women run the gamut, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> like from point of view, you know, yeah. what you care about, you know, your your your, your joke speed. Because I always say there's what I call white people, black people comedy, mm. where the black woman has to be sassy. She has to speak always. this way. Mm-hmm, has always. to do all that, you know. And and to see the broad range of people and how you act, you know, you, maybe you're nerdy, you know, maybe yeah. you're an asshole, you know, maybe right. it is, you know. It's and so nice to see that conversation happening. That's why know? it was so important to yeah. have four women in a house playing these larger-than-life versions right. of ourselves because we could really explore that and people can go, oh, I'm a Quinta, I'm a Robin, I'm a Gabrielle, I'm an Ashley. Right, almost like Sex in the City. Exactly, yeah. right. exactly. And I thought that was really important. And also just to show us organically having mm-hmm. this chemistry and these conversations because when do you get to see four black women doing that? Yeah. You know, it's so rare. If there's more than two of us on anything, it's like a situation, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, that was really important for me to have that show within a show to connect. And it's also like a return to home because the show gets really crazy and it's only going to increasingly get so. Mm-hmm. So it could—otherwise, it would be so jarring to go from one sketch to the next without right. some sort of familiar territory to yeah. go to. How has the feedback been to you, uh, for you personally? What's um, it been, like, almost a week? No, no, no. It's only been, like— Four days no, it's only it's, been a few days. I know. Um, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know. I just get so excited about what people are saying about the cast because mm-hmm. I'm so happy for them. Yeah. But the stuff about me has been great, too. I mean, nobody's like, you I know. I mean, have people reached out to you personally? I mean, that type of thing. Just like ex-boyfriends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, have you been getting like marriage proposals? <laughs> no, but just kind of those like, oh, wow, like really proud of you. You know, you always were special. Okay. Like they're trying to All get right. back or Please something? Please go away. I thought I blocked you. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I don't know what they're trying to do, but mm-hmm. they always come out of the woodwork. But no, you mean like industry calls? Or whoever, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I for sure. I've been getting a lot of messages and people saying, mm-hmm. I know you're not even going to see this text. The show is amazing. And it's taken me all weekend to get back to people. But yeah, yeah I think I, the industry response has been very cool. I've definitely, actually, that is a complete lie. I have had a lot of correspondence from people in the industry, mm-hmm. from friends, from fans. I mean, I gained 20,000 new followers in two days on Instagram. That's great. That's, you know, that is a response in and of itself. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's been really, really good. And I think people are proud that this exists. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, they're so here for it. They're fans of the show. And look, some people don't like the show. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I mean, that happens. You're not going to be for everybody. But um, the good thing is that they're watching mm-hmm. and they're formulating opinions. And and I think everybody understands that the intention of this show is to show how diverse black women can be mm-hmm. in comedy. And what about for you personally, Robin? Do you see this as, um, of course, it's, you know, it's great to do and it's all that and hopefully you guys are going forever. But what else is it that you want to do with this? Do you want to make films? Do you want to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will you put me in one? Do what? Put me in a movie. Just put me, me? in a movie, Larry. You can make your own Go movies. write a movie. Robin, you're. I don't want to. I'm tired. How am I? Huh? What? what? Larry. Me? 
<laughs> no, yeah, I definitely, I definitely mm-hmm. want to um, do more things. I want to do movies. Mm-hmm. I, I made you a movie. Direct movies? Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I tell you that I op- I directed the opening credits with the puppets? No, that's I directed hilarious. that. That's so funny. Because we shot that after Dime um, had finished the series. Right. We shot it just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that idea come from? You know, I love puppets. <laughs> You know this. I am a master puppeteer. I was trained by a teacher from the Jim Henson School when I was a kid. Unbelievable. And yeah, I used to tour the country with a Christian puppet group called King's Kids. And so I've always loved puppets. Um, and so we were brainstorming in the room and mm-hmm. with the writers and, and we're figuring out, like, what kind of crazy open could we do? And HBO was like, well, you don't have to do one. And I was uh-huh. like, no, we're going to do one. Because I knew it could just be an extra piece of comedy. So yeah, absolutely. I was like, you know, just puppets like doing crazy stuff and then it turns really violent. You know, yeah. why not? <laughs> but so to, to re- direct movies, I'm not sure. I'm definitely writing a movie mm-hmm. or two, and I definitely want to act in more movies. Um, but I can't, like, be the boss of every project I do. That's very tiring. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone keeps asking me that. Like, the good thing is I will get more opportunities to Absolutely. direct and showrun and create and blah, blah, blah. But there are times where you do just kind of want to sit down and, like, just read someone else's lines. Completely. But then I get frustrated with that because I'm like, oh, I could have written this better. So it's mm-hmm. that catch-22. So, yeah. yeah, I think directing, I'll direct more. I mm-hmm. think um, I'll always end up directing things I'm probably in. I don't know how much of a backseat I want to take. I always, mm-hmm. I'm at the place now where I'm like, okay, well, I want to be on camera the whole time mm-hmm. until the industry says go away. So is that um, the thing you enjoy most performing on camera? Because Robin, as you guys know, Robin has a multi skill set. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like writing so much. Mm-hmm. It really is like a very dear love of mine. It's very satisfying it's to figure so something satisfying. out. It's so satisfying. When yeah. that joke, when that click happens. Yeah, the glee. And, oh, my yeah. God. There's nothing. <laughs> and then you, you know, mm-hmm. and it's always fleeting, right? You're always chasing that next joke. Right. Um, so I really love that. But performing always makes me singularly happy, especially mm-hmm. when I get to improvise and do crazy stuff like with that Hertep character yeah. on the show. I mean, half <laughs> that of that was so improvised. Funny. And you do outtakes at the end of the show. Too, yeah, which, which is, is always nice, fun. Yeah. So you'll get a lot of that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've never had to choose, which is nice. But I'm always happy writing. I'm always happy performing. Mm-hmm. Show running, I'm not always happy, only because you constantly let people down. Yeah, it's just so hard, too. It's, it's so, so hard. The yeah. job literally is letting people down. Yeah. And occasionally succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're never going to make everyone happy. But you know what? Everything happens exactly how it's supposed to because being the showrunner helps you prepare for um, as a performer, as a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are like, oh, I didn't like what you did. And it's like, oh, okay, well, there's more coming. And you know <laughs> right. what I mean? You can Buck like that up. or not. Yeah, right. or, or not, you know. Right. But I think uh, experiencing disappointment as, as a showrunner, you know what I mean? Like Completely. when you're in charge of a show, it's like no one who hasn't done it can really understand. That's right. But it is this losing battle, even when you have a successful hit show, Mm -hmm. because you can't make everybody happy. But again, I'll never forget this. You told me your job is not to make anyone happy. Your job is to provide an environment where they can thrive. That's exactly right. And that's that's what I take with me. And you can't complain to anybody. You can't complain to anyone. And I'm complaining right now, but I'm complaining to you You because you know. Sorry, listeners. But um, (laughs) I'm assuming only showrunners and executive producers listen to your pocket now. But uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, really difficult to balance the high joys mm-hmm. of making something you love and the lows of disappointing people. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm getting so real on here, I but I feel like you know, like, 
I think I'm in this weird space where this amazing thing has happened. Mm -hmm. But there's fear that comes with it because you're like, oh, shit, everybody's talking about this thing. But people are bound to, like, turn on me at some point, right? Well, when you talk about that, (laughs) when you talk about disappointing people, do you mean from a cultural standpoint? Are you talking about, like, the show itself or are you talking about personally disappointing people? Oh, no, I'm talking about the product, like the show itself. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll ever be a personal disappointment to people. I try not to be. (laughs) 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 But just, like, you do this thing, right? You make this thing, even with the rundown. It was, like, Mm -hmm. some people were like, oh, I don't like that show. It's corny. You know? And I'm sure, you know, people— I don't know. It's like I can only ride the high of great press for so long unless it just stays that way. Mm-hmm. But even Game of Thrones was like the last season. People were like, oh, F that show. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's like, Game of Thrones. Yeah, and it's Game like, of what Thrones. Do you want? Yeah. yeah, what do you want? Right. So we're in a culture where people will get so mad at you but also yeah. like invest in you so much, which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just that it's just that thing of learning how to navigate that. Yeah. But personally, like as Robin Thede, I'm sorry, Titty, um, <laughs> I think I feel good. I feel proud of it. Yeah. I feel really like good about where I am in my career. I feel like this is what I've been working for. Yeah. And I feel like for me, it took longer than it did for others, but it had to because I had to be prepared to do 10 jobs. Everybody's timing is different, though. Absolutely. I think when you're more unique, you either hit it right away or it takes time. Yeah. You know, because it has. You know, we don't know when we're going to line up with the zeitgeist, you know. Right. But if you're talented, you can be working during that time. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's your time to be seen. Your time to be seen is different from your time to just work. You used to always say I was better than my resume when I came to you. always. You You were always like that, you know. I feel you still are. Oh, ow. Larry Wilmore said I have more to go. No, Robin, this is, I believe, yeah, I'm talking, this is how I talk to Robin personally. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing it on the podcast. No, but Robin, this this is your, um, you know, reintroduction, as you will. for sure. And um, I think it's the grand start of some things for you because now you have a good sense of not only who you are but how to do what you want to really do, yeah. you know, which is a whole different perspective, you know. Yeah. So it allows you to flit away the things that aren't the stuff that you should be doing. You yeah. Know? Right, and hopefully you. you'll have the that clout to do those things too, you know, which okay. is great. I that, I accept that, that and bring. receive it. Yeah. I'm gonna just forget about the listeners for a second. All right. Me and you. You guys stop listening. For yeah, a you, everybody stop listening. This is just me and Robin. Where where do you see my career going? Okay, Robin, here's the deal. <laughs> well, are you asking me seriously? Yeah, I'm seriously asking you. What, what do, do you, you see? What do you want to do? Nope, I already told you. I said what I said you? I want to do movies. Right. I love making television that's personal to people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't all have to be like black lady everything. Right. But I love stories that are real and that mm-hmm. are grounded that you can find absurdity in. Right. But I, I want to tell not only my stories, but other people's stories as well yeah. in an authentic way. And yeah. um, that's important to me. Right. But when you think about me, I just think it's so fascinating to ask someone who knows so much about the business. And you've seen so many people go from absolute obscurity to absolute fame. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't know. I just thought it'd be interesting to ask. Yeah, well, I think— And you're a psychic, and people don't know that. People don't know that I'm (laughs) psychic. But I think that— I think that you manifest as you go, but you're still manifesting. Oh, that's true. You know, but I don't think you— you know, I think for whatever reasons, you're both very confident but very unsure at the same time. 
You know. <laughs> a whole read. I am being dragged accurately on Larry Wilmore's Black on the Air podcast. Yes, but it's the unsure part which makes you afraid to project, you know. But Ooh, I asked for this. But it's the confident part which keeps you acting, keeps That's you true. active, and keeps you wanting to do as much oh as possible. Oh, my God, that is so true. But— Ultimately, the unsure part is going to be less effective on you. Yeah. You know, so you'll be able to project more. So these things that you're talking about, you'll be able to manifest in a way that, you know, will, will seem easier to you. But truthfully, you've always been able to do that. It's just the unsure part was yeah. kind of holding you back. Wow. So that's what I feel for you. Oh, that's good. I accept that. There you go. And I don't even think and, that's negative. Is that I think, true? I think it's 100% true. Okay. I think it's 100% true because I'm very confident, mm -hmm. but there are parts that I'm that I unsure is the right word. Mm -hmm. It's the right word. And it's a battle that we all have. Well, I don't know Absolutely. if you have that. Oh, completely. We oh, just, okay. we have it in different ways. <laughs> no, we have it in different, when I say unsure, it's yeah. different from doubt. Yes, right. Yes. And it's not like lack of self-esteem. That's it's, exactly right. But you don't have a lack exactly of self-esteem. Right. There's an unsureness in you, but it's yeah. born out of your beginnings. You Absolutely. Know, which Absolutely. makes sense. I mean, see it, our other podcast. Yes, for that. exactly. I won't even refer to it. But, see, see our other episode. But it all makes sense. That's true. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Why am I paying for therapy when know. all I have to do is come, Just come here? Come do my podcast. I know. Like, that's amazing. Here. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Just getting back to me and how relatable Absolutely. I am. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, um yeah, and wait, humble. wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I hate my green eyes and, and ham. Yes. The best joke, by the Listen, way, on that episode. I hate my I green know. eyes and ham. I know. I love that character because so she can say the things See that I can't say. See first episode to get this joke. Yeah. Seriously. Mm -hmm. But it's like that little stuff's going to sneak in That's anywhere so funny. where it goes, I right? love that character. I could watch that character all day. Well, yeah. she's coming back, yeah. so. That's like Mrs. Paul Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great compliment, by the yes. way, because that is that's oh, very funny. Oh, oh, homie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Paul Mooney. Oh, my God. I saw him at a check cashing place on Hollywood Boulevard okay. in 2004. Be nice. No! Uh -huh. I don't think he was cashing a check. Right. I think he was sending some money to, like, help someone. Okay. No, no, no. This was not a dig at Paul Mooney at yeah. all. Paul Mooney's fine. <laughs> um, uh, and he was lovely. Yeah. He was lovely. Yeah. Um, uh, he, I said, I... I'm such a fan. You have changed the scope of comedy. People never give you enough credit. It feels I, I like agree. only comedians know Paul Mooney. I, I mean, yeah. and he is such a force. But anyway, no, no, no. Uh, sorry. That sounded like a drag, no, I guess, because no, I said okay. he was in a cash checking. No, no, no. I was just saying that. <laughs> Check cashing place. No, no, no. He was helping someone else. Um, he honestly probably like, but I don't know. Anyway, he's amazing. I love him. Well, Robin, um, we all wish you the best with this, of course. Thank you. Know. you. Um, a Black Lady Sketch Show, HBO. Friday nights, 11 o'clock. Yeah. Um, if you have DirecTV, you can watch it at 8. I know, on the West nice. Coast, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, and then you can go out and talk shit. You know, I know. After, <laughs> <laughs> after you watch it. I hope people watch with their friends. I think it's mm -hmm. really fun to watch together and then go back and rewatch it a second time. Nice. Because there's so many um, layers to things. There's an, there's an Easter egg. I won't say what it is. Uh-oh. But there's an Easter—we have lots of visual Easter eggs. Did You, you notice the titles of the sketches, right? Um. Yes, of course. Yeah. Like Invisible Spy, it's on I'm that like, little yeah, rail. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's so oh, embedded. Yes, that's right. You don't really that's notice right. it. In yeah. the Motown Meltdown sketch, it's just on a handkerchief, yeah. right at the opening shot. Sometimes it's in the beginning, sometimes it's in the middle, sometimes it's at the end. Uh, but there's always a title 
everywhere in the sketch. I like that. So I'm giving your listeners something I've not told anyone, and I've done 100 interviews in so 10 days. Easter eggs in so there's too. Easter eggs. So nice. there's Easter eggs, and there's—well, there's Easter eggs, but there's also hidden titles. So there's titles, which is uh-huh. one thing, but there's Easter eggs and callbacks to other sketches. You know, that I think the sketch that I did, I remember seeing the movie thing— <gasps> And I'm like, huh, that's— You're uh, telling people something that's secret. uh, But anyway, but you didn't tell them what it was. No, you're right, though. You're right. So there's those in every—almost every sketch has them. Uh And if you blink, you'll miss them. So it'll be a fun scavenger hunt for people. Like, even if they binge the season later, they might notice. One last thing that I wanted to ask—not ask you about, but mention, too, which I think is great, is the gender bending on the show. Yes. Because—and this is the other Python uh, that I get. Yeah. The Pythons played women, and they were very funny. Yeah. Life of Brian is one example. Oh, so good. And you guys play men in this. But you don't do it for commentary. You don't do it for this. You do it because it's a sketch show. Yeah. There are men in this sketch. And Correct. You're the men. Correct. You know? And we try to play them as dimensionally as we can. Yes. Um, you know, the Motown sketch is, Hilarious. is pretty. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. It's so glorious. Every second, Quinta's take on that. Oh, oh and that my is her God. voice. Oh. None of our voices are modulated or auto tuned in yes. any way, by the way. Right. That's 100% our voices. <laughs> yes. And her voice is so deep as Josephus. Yes, and Robin is so gloriously inappropriate in it. Yeah, yeah it's my uh, my Terrence Howard voice, uh, but look of like an early prince or, you know, Morris Day or something. Yeah. But but yeah, and I'll do more of that. In in episode two, you're going to meet a character named Chris who was in the trailer on the airplane, who has uh-huh. the cornrows. He's a recurring character who is one of my favorites to play on the show. Great. And I try to give him as much dimension as I can, but he's definitely a dude that— I think most women have dated some right. version of him. Right, right, right. So that's my homage to him. But yeah, the gender bending is really fun, and mm-hmm. it gives us a chance to stretch and really, again, just show sure. the diversity of what we can do. Well, there you go, guys. The Black Lady Sketch Show. Catch it on HBO. It's really breaking all the rules, setting new boundaries. Robin is so good in it. But the whole cast, as she said, yeah. is everybody shines in it behind and in front of the scenes. And um Maybe we'll get Robin to come back when they're getting all the awards. Oh, my God. Your lips to the Emmy's ears. That's what I'm going to manifest. Oh, great. Thank you. Please. I'll I'll take that off your show. Great. Thank you. I'll go ahead and do that. Thank you. Robin Tahiti. Wait. Robin Titty. Wait. Robin. Oh, my God. Oh, this whole podcast. Is it Cheaty? It's Cheeto. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Robin Cheeto, everybody. Thanks, Robin. (laughs) 